Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. This podcast is sponsored by Point Studio. They are the best gripping socks for bar, yoga, dance, and basically all studio workouts. These socks are the next best thing to being barefoot. And listeners of the Bar Variations podcast get 15% off their order with the code BARVARIATIONS. That's code BARVARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy now, pay later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Hi, everyone, and happy new year. Welcome to season two of the Bar Variations podcast. Yay, we did it. I'm excited to be back and to share more interviews, stories, tips, and more. Many of you already know this, but I am having my first baby this year. So my in-person engagements will be limited, but still very impactful, I promise. And here's what I got in the books so far for 2020. January 25th and 26th, I'll be teaching the Bar Variations Teacher Training and Teaching Deconstructed Workshop. That one's already for teachers in Brooklyn, New York. July 18th, teaching deconstructed again in San Diego, California. October 17th, I'm back in Brooklyn teaching a workshop weekend with my girl Shannon Werner. We are teaching some awesome workshops, so stay tuned for that. That's another teaching deconstructed for me, and um, Shannon will be teaching some awesome prop choreography, extravaganza workshops. So check that out, head to the website and you can pre-register and I hope to see you there. I know that's only three on the books, but I'm sure there'll be a little bit more, probably no more than six, just putting that out there. Just so you know, you can always find me on the internet. All the trainings are up online. Yay, yay. And recently, I returned from teaching in London at Energy Bar Body with Natalie Muse, and it was truly amazing. We only knew each other via Instagram, and we connected immediately. Our styles are very similar, and our mission to make connections with others was very much in alignment. So we had a blast teaching our masterclass together, which we all walked away very, very sore. And I even tried to jump a little bit. And I, it didn't hurt, but well, I didn't get very high with my big old belly, so <laughs> it was a sight to be seen. And then I taught the Bar Variations Teaching Deconstructed Workshop the following day. 
And I opened this workshop for those wanting to live stream in, and I'm very pleased to announce it was a success. I was afraid that the internet connection would be bad, that the participants wouldn't be able to log in, and I really just, maybe it wouldn't translate over the screen. My ego was on overdrive. Now, with all new things, the ego and fear starts to speak up. The same false beliefs for me go a little like this. It will suck. No one will like it. It won't deliver. You're wasting your time and so on. And if I'm guessing right, I'm sure this sounds familiar to a lot of you listeners out there. Yeah, give me a little hand raise if you are walking. Don't raise your hand if you're driving. (laughs) Just nod your head. And with a new year and a new decade, it's a time where we get motivated to try different things, right? We make these resolutions, these intentions, these promises that we might create something new or do something new or try or whatever it is. And with that comes that pesky ego. And I'm not here to tell you that it will ever go away and never come back. That's not true. Our ego serves a purpose, but it's definitely something, you know, those little voices, something to recognize so it can be moved through. Those false beliefs can be moved through and approaching it in a way where it's not to take you down, but making sure that you are in exact alignment for whatever you're going to try out or you release any expectations that it's going to be the most epic, amazing things ever, right? So when I'm approaching a new project, offering, or idea, I do the following so I feel fully supported when taking the leap. That way I don't drive myself in a circle with these negative thoughts. And then also if I don't try it, I don't know if I like it or not, right? I can't discern that for myself unless I try it. And then, you know what, there are some things that I should just not try, right? I will never jump out of a plane. That will never, ever happen. You heard it here first. So if I do, come find me and check my temperature. (laughs) And, you know, I use this checklist. It's like my own metaphorical parachute, right? So to feel that support, speaking of jumping out of plane, right? (laughs) It's, It's a metaphor for me. I won't actually be doing it. But number one, I prepare and prepare and prepare. I think of all the things that are needed to get whatever it is done or ready. And then I will also plan for any foreseeable disasters, right? I think of those worst case and I see if there is a plan that I can come up with in order to maybe avoid those foreseeable things. So in this case, teaching the live stream, I had all of my equipment, I had all of the materials I sent pre-prepared emails so everybody had all the information going into it. I also had my follow-up docs ready in the back kind of draft, right? Right, You draft an email. There we go. Oof, words, guys. <laughs> all, they're all drafted. All those follow-up emails were drafted. Everything was in place. So when I went into the training, I knew I was ready to teach what I knew how to teach. But a foreseeable disaster was, well, maybe that internet would not work. Maybe my plugs would give out, right? I'm using a different plug, (laughs) you know, from US to the UK. And so I pre-uploaded the entire training, which I was preparing to do anyways, onto the website for those who paid for the live stream. And by the way, it's up for you guys now. But so that way they had access to the workshop if all the internet powers failed. So 
preparation is number one for me, making sure I have all my ducks in the row as best as I can in case anything happens, because guess what? It most likely does. <laughs> but number two, I then called on my cheerleaders. I prepped with my mentor. I got feedback from trusted friends and colleagues, and I made sure that I was pumped up and ready for success, which is funny because Sometimes success is just as scary as failing. Like, what if it did go right? Am I going to have to offer this again? What does that mean? You know, that those things can also hold you back just as much as like, well, it didn't work and you can make excuses and blah, 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 right? So number three, I then surrendered my plans to the unknown and just let it happen. I gave up control and trusted I was supported. That way I could get out of my own way and let magic happen. Right, So I just prepared as much as I could, I had my cheerleaders in place, and then I let it go. And every experience can be a learning experience, but it is also important to have fun. What I love most about teaching is that it is fun, and I didn't want to get in the way of that. I didn't want to yeah, block myself from enjoying the experience because I was so worried of it not going right. So if you're over manifesting your dream schedule or over planning or worrying, etc., take a step back and do something fun. Maybe that's not bar for the day. Maybe it's something else. It will help remind you of the joy in what you do and allow you to genuinely get excited and enjoy what you're doing without forcing it to happen, right? Sometimes I've, I know I've been there. I've worried so much and I didn't actually enjoy the experience, even though it was a good experience on paper, but I was just too much in my head about it. So go out there, have fun. So when you're trying these new things, maybe release some of the expectations, surrender to whatever it is, and just go for it and have fun. Smile. Even if it's the worst thing, you can laugh about it, right? So speaking of some new things, here are some new happenings in the world of bar variations. Number one, there's going to be a new video library. So I'm launching it's the same library, same videos, but it will be and designed brand new. It will feature new guest teachers, new membership options, and more. It's sleek. It's easy. It's for you, right? So you can also then save your favorite videos. There's so many um, features here that I couldn't do my last website. So I have updated it, which is very exciting which means that I'm also, number two, going to have a new website. It's going to be very fancy, fancy. I'm very excited to unveil that. With that new website will come new courses. Already up on the website, there is the teacher training and the teaching deconstructed workshops. They will be uploaded to a new platform. So if you already had purchased it, no worries. You will just be transferred over. This is a whole new learning platform that is fully automated and just sleek, beautiful, and easy to use. That's the key. Learning is already a lot of information, so why make it difficult <laughs> to actually use? Number four, there's going to be more coaching opportunities. I have just finished the first group coaching workshop, which I cannot wait to share more about. And I'm going to do be, be doing more of that. There's always the opportunity to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, but I am here to serve you in bringing more value, more worth to the work that you're doing and help you achieve your projects and ideas when it comes to bars. So 
excited for that. And number five, there's just going to be more chances for us to raise the bar together. I cannot wait to see what opportunities present themselves and new creative ways of just raising the bar together. So I'm looking forward to this year, Bar Variations third year. We're going to third year of business and serving all of you guys with all things bar. Next up, listen to my interview with Daniel Hurst. Stay tuned, everybody. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Thinking about becoming a bar instructor, or maybe you already are, but are interested in learning new teaching techniques. Bar Where You Are combines ballet form and grace with Pilates principles and functional fitness training to create a one-of-a-kind bar experience. Their unique class format and flow allows clients to get a fun and effective total body workout in every class. Their one-day, eight-hour course covers anatomy, musicality, transitions, how to provide modifications and corrections, and a breakdown of more than 100 different exercises, allowing all bar instructors to leave with a solid understanding of how to create and deliver a safe and effective class to all fitness levels. And because they are internationally accredited and require no licensing fees, our bar babes can teach anywhere they wish and truly make the class their own. You can find out more information on registering or hosting a training at your gym or studio by visiting www.barwhereyouaresc.com backslash become an instructor. And let's bar where you are. Hi, listeners. I am here today with Daniel Hurst. Dan is a bar instructor in Chicago, born and raised in San Francisco Bay Area. He got involved in dance and musical theater at a young age, eventually earning a bachelor's degree in musical theater at Ball State University in Indiana. His first foray into group fitness was Zumba, which he taught for a brief period in the Bay Area after college. He said a temporary farewell to group fitness when he moved to New York to pursue theater full-time and worked as a professional actor for a couple of years before making the move to Chicago in 2016. In Chicago, he started teaching a bar-based format to support his theater career and fell in love with the method. Now, teaching bar is his main gig while performing musical theater on the side and exploring the world of writing fiction. Currently teaches for Chicago Athletic Clubs, Hang 5 Fitness, and Equinox. Thank you, Dan, for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me. I love musical theater, so we will definitely get into that. <laughs> yes. um, and New York City, yay, something in common there as well. So, um, before I get too excited about naming all of my favorite musicals, <laughs> let's um, dive into how you got your movement journey started. 
So I always ask um, all the guests kind of where it all began. And can you tell us how you got your start with movement? And um, yeah, we'll start from there. Sure. So I think I was nine years old the first time I did a musical. Um, So I definitely got my start in the musical theater. And I found I just had kind of no trouble picking up little dance steps, you know, as a kid, like jazz squares, pivot turns, all that stuff. Um, So I just kind of found like we were a good match, me and movement. Um, Which is not easy for a lot of musical theater people, which I think is a big struggle. It's like being the like triple threat of like actor, dancer, singer, right? It's like the ultimate. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, on the contrary, the the vocal technique has always been my struggle area. So that's one of the things I work on, but movement, we were, we were good. So, um, yeah, and I, I would take classes in jazz and tap and here and there while doing musicals all throughout my childhood. Um, and in like high school how was that like being you were nine years old and were you the one to kind of approach your parents I was very like bold to my parents like this is what I want to do and they're like I don't know what that is but okay here's some ballet (laughs) shoes (laughs) so were you the one to approach your parents or were your parents um into the arts as well it's hard to say I don't remember how it all got started but yeah we were not a super artsy family. I feel like, like my best friend's mom Mm. was the one to find theater and put him in theater. And so I just did it too. Um, Just a joiner, you know, it's okay (laughs) Um, to be a follower. We imitate and then we master. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So like we had no idea what we were doing, but um, my parents were super supportive and um, basically let me do whatever I wanted to do and I was trying to balance sports and theater for a little while there um and eventually theater was like yes I'm the one for you and sports were like yeah probably not (laughs) yeah I it was uh definitely that kid too I'm like I want to be well and it was at the time where they didn't have girl sports for girls like you if you wanted to play soccer you had to play with the boys except for softball that was one thing that was designated for the girls and if anybody knows me or seen me uh play a sport I played basketball too horrifying sight it's (laughs) I was doing cartwheels and little pirouettes in the outfield and yeah I think dance definitely chose me and it's like no 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 you are not the sporty girl as much as you would like to be that competitive but you know I think that there's something that you Yes, theater and arts is competitive, but in a different way where uh, sports, it kind of fills that drive, especially for a young kid to compete and do better and, you know, challenge your friends or whatever. So (laughs) I hear you on that. Well, that's (laughs) fun. I love that your friend's mom got you into it. We get influenced by so many people in our lives and it's, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to attach onto, right? It's um but so you did dance and musicals all, all through high school. What would you say your favorite high school musical was? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. I'd have to say Footloose. Mm, so lucky. <laughs> um, just a big party <laughs> dance musical extravaganza. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah, it was a good time. 
So the self-expression too, right? It's like your rebellious teens dancing and it's just, there's something so good for adolescents to be able to learn how to A, use their voice, whether I was definitely struggled in this thing. I sang all through college, but um, no one would know because I never sang for anybody (laughs) (laughs) except in like a choir or in the ensemble. So um, But yeah, learning how to use your voice or just projecting and presenting what I think a lot of people don't um, maybe get to experience is that you don't have to just do public speaking classes and you're just practicing speeches. Like it's, there's so much theater around it and it's such a great skill to kind of pick up at a young age to, you know, slap on that confidence and put yourself out there. And, um, and they definitely... And then you're dancing and singing and it's amazing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah but I feel definitely that my theater experience has come real useful as a bar instructor. So I'm very grateful for all those Hands shows down. I did as a kid. <laughs> Hands down. Now, before we move on, I, this is all self-indulgent for me, but what would you say your favorite musical to watch is and why? Oh, to watch. Um, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) It can be more than one. (laughs) I don't know if I could answer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love, well, my favorite musical probably of all time is a chorus line, uh, which I love to watch and I've been in three times. So definitely Mm. one of my favorites to perform too. Um, anything with a lot of dancing, West Side Story. Um, but I also like, you know, singing musicals too, like Light in the Piazza is one of my favorites, a little more obscure, but um, just beautiful classical sounding music. And um, if it's done well, like a beautiful setting in Florence in the 50s, it's it's nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think uh, my, I definitely got my husband into musicals when I met him he's a New Yorker that was like I don't understand Broadway and I was like well let me tell you um (laughs) so when he started started introducing him to the early ones because you kind of got to get a base before you go a little bit more obscure and um I'm definitely one of those people that relates to like if there was a song for this emotion this would be it like I wish my life had (laughs) a soundtrack because sometimes there's just not enough words or great words to kind of describe the emotions that you're feeling. And I, I agree with you of like this kind of background and I, not that dancers and musical theater people have a one up on other bar instructors, but it definitely informs the, like the skill to be able to create an experience and create an atmosphere and allow people to, um, feel self-expression through lyrics and through words, you know, feeling powerful. Um, Yeah. That's such a good point. If you had to pick, I'm going to make you pick, I'm just making you pick your favorites today because I want to (laughs) know. I know. I don't, I, again, I don't know if I could answer any of these, but is there like a song that you love to play in your classes before I kind of go back into your journey? Like, is there a song that you can always play and it just makes you feel like a super duper rock star? Oh, that is a good question. Um, you know, what's a really fun one is mm. Kelly Clarkson's War Paint. Yeah. Which I That's feel like didn't one. get a lot of radio play, but it's so just like 
rock and roll. <laughs> Annie I love Kelly. Kelly. Really yes. Kelly. <laughs> Annie Kelly. I had a friend in college that uh, gifted me a Kelly, her first, I think it was like her first, I want to say album because it was still a CD. <laughs> and I can remember blasting it in my car. And I was just like, this woman, man, like, you just, like I feel so strong. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's like a really, like the anthem, right? It was kind of like the rebirth yeah. of these anthem songs, which. Um, she has so many good ones, too. So Since you've been gone. Ones. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> Stronger. I, yeah. yeah. yeah so good. Um, all right. So you're in high school doing the musicals. Take us through Ball State University. What was your experience like there as a musical theater major? It was a really different experience to um, doing like high school and community theater. Um, and I actually did two years at um, Chapman University in mm-hmm. Southern California before transferring to Ball State. Um, but at Chapman, it was like a acting theater program. So I wasn't okay. getting to sing and dance as much. Um, but so that's why I went to Ball State. And um, and it was great. It's a really nice program. Um it was a, a definitely more intensive getting into the technique. I actually never took a ballet class until college. So mm. that was quite an experience taking the first ballet class. It's like, I mean, I don't get a ball change before I bought one. It just has to <laughs> lift up into the air. Like, Yeah, wow. the uh, hamstrings and glutes don't don't know what it's like to not have, you know what I mean, before you propel. Yeah. Nobody knows that it's basically like you, you're just kind of like prepping and to like, kick your leg up where you know if you do a traditional vatma it's all coming from that core and that yeah <laughs> yeah so I definitely got a lot of that body awareness from the college training and the acting training too like so much movement involved that in um learning to be specific and mm. all that good stuff about how you're moving, how you're expressing yourself with your body and I think that has also been something I've carried into my instructor life yeah Um, Yeah. I mean yes because there is that like (laughs) fine line of putting on a performance where people are like oh that person can be really fake they're really putting on a show and then there's the other side where you can open yourself up in a way Mm -hmm. that is not quote-unquote performance like but being aware of like, how are you holding your body? How are you welcoming people in and the clarity of what you're even saying or the facial expressions you're making? Cause you know, sometimes we don't know we're necessarily making a face um, <laughs> yes, or, you know, or, you know, reassuring people through our facial expressions. I'm a winker. I think, I mean, it can be kind of creepy, <laughs> I guess if I just say it in words, but like, you know, for a personal wink to somebody that's like, you're good. You got this. Like, it's okay. Whatever you're doing, you know, so being able to, yeah, use your face. And we focus so much on the voice, but, um, maybe you can kind of describe like the difference between using your voice in a way that you're reciting like a monologue, right? Cause we all memorize choreography and, using your own personal voice and inflection. Maybe you can kind of expand upon that, like what that's like for you. Yeah. Um, Wow. So (laughs) I know, sorry. I full disclosure for the listeners. I did not prep them on any of these questions. So (laughs) I'm really digging in to the uh, performance aspect because 
you know, as an instructor, we kind of tend to think like, oh, well, you know, I'm just quote unquote, I'm just teaching, but there's so much that goes into it that, um, you know, I think you have a lot of knowledge and experience with, especially having the theater background. So yeah, that's why I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. It's so in depth. I was, I was not ready, but we're going to think and we're going to figure it out. So, um, yeah, I think the voice is such a huge part of motivation in a group fitness experience. Um, I mean, you've got the music there, so there's that audio input coming in, but, you know, they're relying on your voice to tell them what to do. So, and, you know, in a bar class, there's a a huge amount of endurance that is required (laughs) on the pulses and the holds and all that good Mm -hmm. stuff. So I find a lot of contrast helps. So when we're um, sort of in a recovery moment, Mm kind of sit back, relax, but when it gets to be that really tough spot where, you know, you start to see people maybe dropping off a little bit or Mm -hmm. struggling, you see the faces turning red. It's like, you got to give them something to get them through the next moment. So I'm getting a little louder, talk a little faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- I often raise my pitch. I'm like, come on, three, two, one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like I, yeah, person, I, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I sing. I, I start doing like opera. It's like ridiculous. But no, I don't sing opera. But yeah, no, it's the <laughs> the inflection of your voice of like, not only does the music help inform, it definitely gives input. And, you know, we can rely on it, especially as new teachers. I think it's a great tool to rely on heavily as a new teacher to help carry that mood and vibe and support through. Yeah. And then as you get more experience, being able to match your voice as if it's a piece of music almost, you know, you're crescendoing mm-hmm. the hard parts and you're breaking them down in the low parts and you're pushing them through. And being able to do that kind of stuff takes it from memorizing choreography to you know instructing it and then to really orchestrating an experience and teaching them how to lift themselves up so their self-talk can then be informed by what you're saying to them so when they're doing something hard it's like oh come on you got this you know like whatever the voice (laughs) change is you know (laughs) so I have to blame um, musical theater on uh, my own voice because sometimes I'm like, do, do I have like a nor- quote unquote normal speaking voice? No, I'm always imitating or making my voice sound like the action or <laughs> the thing that yeah. I think it looks like. And um, I think that's a great tip, like being able to, um, you know, recognize the endurance of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and I feel like cadence is important too, especially breaking down a setup Mm-hmm. Um, being very specific and clear, like uh, bend your knees, knees behind toes, line up your knees and toes, and like putting a little that moment of pause so they can hear the instruction, follow it, get that set up so they're mm-hmm. safe yeah. and prepared, ready to go. I think the, there's times when you bring the pitch down, you bring the focus in, and you really articulate all those steps to make sure. You're yeah, having a clear class. Totally. Having different voices in your back pocket where here's the instruction. This is my instruction voice. 
And now mm-hmm. this is my choreography voice. Here we go. Two, yeah. one. And here's my motivation. You got that. You know, like having different voices. I mean, that's such a great point. Um, because sometimes we're not monotone and flat and dull. Sometimes we can be really up, 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 but two up where there's no pause. There's no yeah. room to let people allow the words to sink in. We'll just sit with it for a second, or at least have our eyes as teachers have a moment of like, did they do what I said to do? Or am I just spitting out more words? Yeah. Right? It's like, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's one of the yeah. hardest parts I think, yeah, but, but so important. Absolutely. And it, and it could add to the drama, right? Like if they're waiting and hanging on every word that you're saying. It's like, Oh, you're, they're focused in right and being yeah. able to change that up enough um you know obviously takes some practice but anybody is able to do it because you can really throw yourself out there and what really it is it is a practice it's trying it out like mm-hmm. you really take yeah. before you say something right and so many people are there to forget about what's going on outside the studio and their job or their you know, personal life that like bringing them into focus on exactly what their body is doing in that exact moment. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really a gift that we can give to the students as instructors. Yeah. As much as we want them to be in tune, it is an equal escape for them to either, like I always say, like work it out, you know, you're working out to work it out, whatever that is for that person, like working out the day, working out the list in your head. And it's easy to say like, forget about all that stuff or leave it at the door. But it's like, can't, you know, can, can we make that happen? Can we actually make that really happen? Instead of just saying it, you know, and right. um, so in college, were you into fitness while you were at school, like with Ball State, like a big university or was it like a small group setting? Um, it's a big university, but the theater program is definitely an, insular community Mm -hmm. um and I really didn't do really anything having to do with fitness for most of my childhood it was just dance classes and you know there'd always be a set of abs and um it was always really hard for me so Uh, I yeah (laughs) isn't it so funny you can be such an active person it was so different I'm not gonna out your age I don't know how old you are but um I definitely, I'm, I'm an eighties baby, grew up in the nineties and there was all of that happening, but it was so separate. It was not, it was definitely not mainstream in the sense that everybody was talking about going to their classes or having a gym membership. It was, it was something so separate. It was like gym people, not gym people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as a, a dancer, I was like, well, I dance, this is what I need to do. And that's all I do. And I was introduced to Pilates, um, later in my college years from a professor that was like, girl, you got to find your core. And I was very strong, but like I could, I couldn't do certain things and I couldn't understand why I did not have like a deep enough connection to my own breath and abdominals to be able to move in a certain way. And um, I can remember we got a, uh, we had a discount to go to the 13th street gym in Philadelphia. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was a very <laughs> lovely place. And it was a joke. I would show up and like, like stand 
on the clan, like what is it? A stair climb, stairmaster. Um, but why I love the gym so much is that it had a roof deck and that everybody would just be upstairs in their bathing suits getting a tan. So <laughs> <laughs> that was my first like real adult gym experience. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll go upstairs, sit in the sun, maybe climb the stairmaster, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know the only time I think I ever got ever spend time in a gym was when like if I knew I had to be partially undressed on stage (laughs) or fully I did do hair in college the musical and um (laughs) so you know there's that scene um but (laughs) everyone should look that up (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I mean I that was my motivation I just thought you know and as a kid like I talk about this with my the other guests that do sports like you're either put in sports or you do sports or you have school activities that are, you're kind of not really thinking about having to do something, you know, and then you get to college and for some people that drops off completely because you're just in your studies and there's so many things going on. You have so much freedom. And it's like, is that your first thought to be like, I need to go to the gym unless I got to like take my shirt off or whatever, or <laughs> right. whatever. If you're in a performance, definitely been there. I'm like, Hmm. Okay, that's a really that's a really small shorts. Okay, but it was not. I don't know. It's not. At, it was not at the time. I don't know about now. As mindful and mainstream to be like this is for your overall well being, and so you're kind of getting introduced to it in a way that maybe is because you're trying to a lose weight, you're trying to look good, you're trying to whatever it is that's superficial um, where I hope that, and I kind of see that the trend is changing to be more mind body where it feels inside and it's, it'll only be better if I'm healthier and I can do all the activities I want to do. So you got into fitness kind of post-college and you said Zumba was your first. Yeah. That that experience. The gateway drug was Zumba. Um, (laughs) I don't even remember how it happened, but I think my mom was going to a class and she was like, she was like, I think you would really like this. It's just like a dance party for an hour and you sweat and it's a good time. I was like, okay, mom. And so we would go to Zumba together once a week. And we had a couple of like friend, like a couple of my friends from theater and like other people we met would go to. And we had this little Zumba gang. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And we got to know um, the instructor and like, I would follow her around. I would take her like body pump class sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, it was fun. And I was like, I absolutely could do this. It's like similar to teaching choreography or, um, or anything like that. It's yeah. So I was like, I should do that. And so I, I got the Zumba certification and, um, yeah. What was that like? So you kind of saw it as a way to kind of, did you see it as like a supplement to your theater training, something you could do while you were doing theater or what was kind of the first motivation of like, or was it just like, I could do this and that sounds like fun. Yeah. I think at the time, I was sort of like cobbling together a lot of different jobs. So I was doing Mm. choreography for children's theater. I was acting, um, but not really making any money doing that. And I'm trying to figure out what else I could do to um, earn my living. So 
I thought it would be a good way to uh, to do that, put my skills that I already had to good use. Of course, learning some new skills in the process, um, such as leading a class like in the moment, which was mm-hmm. definitely a new experience, but um, not, a, not a too challenging of one to pick up with the background that I've had. So, so yeah, I did that. And I didn't really go very far with it. I taught for like a summer at a uh, community center and um, mostly I did choreography. I got, I did a little bit of corporate work and um, barista work and serving and stuff. um, And eventually decided I wanted to do more theater full time. And that was why I moved to New York, which I did in 2014. Um, yeah, I, what I love the term um, multiple revenue streams, that's a very entrepreneurial term yeah. that I wish existed when I was going through college and all of that because it was very frowned upon at the time and maybe still is like, oh, you're not just dancing. Yeah. Then, well, I don't want to just live in a cardboard box so I mean (laughs) (laughs) there's bills to be paid um but what's great about fitness and I think what's always been great about it is that it offers another opportunity for either supplemental income or another revenue stream and it can support what you're doing it doesn't have to be one or the other and I, I don't know about your parents but like my parents are kind of like the the last, I would say my dad, not so much my mom, but like the last generation of like, you stay in one job and you work your way up and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And like, you don't leave. And instead of thinking it as, you know, the, my coach called it like being the venture capitalist for your next venture and they can support you in a different way or fill a different need. And you're still bringing in the revenue you need to be able to like live of your life because let's be honest we all need to be making money <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> um when you were in new york did you teach fitness here or were you full-time acting and doing no the grind <laughs> yeah i was i was in the audition <laughs> room every day and uh, yeah. doing some catering work to uh, pay my rent so mm. that was about it yeah and then when i would get gigs it was usually uh regional theater so you know, I'd hop on the Amtrak and uh, go move to some small town somewhere out on the East Coast for a few months, do a show, get a nice paycheck and not really have a lot of expenses while you're there. And then come back to the city, audition all over again. And like you have that little chunk of change from the show to support until you get the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely uh, a lifestyle like that. If you are any type of entrepreneur or um, somebody that has multiple revenue streams, the, the hustle is real. And to be able to plan for, is this enough money to get me through the next chunk in order to get the next thing? And, um, what kind of skills would you say top skills coming out of that kind of hustle? Cause it is a hustle and every performer, anybody that's lived in New York and that's not gone to like straight up financial route or something like that, there's a certain type of New York hustle that happens in order to be able to afford to live here and afford to really experience the city in a way that you might want to experience it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, your top, top maybe tools that you gained or kind of 
skills that you gained being uh, being on the hustle? Yeah, so it's definitely a test of endurance. So you want to have some plans in place to take care of yourself on those moments when you get to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always a huge fan of preparation. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always having like my headshot and resume ready to go the night before an audition. So I wouldn't be rushing to like put it all together the day of having my songs picked out, um, having my clothes ready to go, having a full bag packed of what I would need for the day. Cause I was almost never, home in the middle of the day it was (laughs) basically leave the house at 7 a.m get back at earliest 6 p.m or a.m the next day no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah but really um so having that preparation and knowing um i guess how to let go of everything when you get back to your your little home or your little space at the end of the day, um, whether that's some sort of ritual, if you do um, drink tea or do meditation or read or take a bubble bath, whatever it is that you need to do for you to unwind, get some good rest and be ready to go the next day because it it really doesn't stop. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what great, I mean, that's great life skill that's huge life advice like I'm with you on the preparation being able to be prepared and um and whether that it's like having your stuff ready your bag packed all of the snacks that you need your water you um I think New York definitely makes everybody somewhat of a doomsday prepper in 24 hours so like (laughs) not, not that we're all waiting for doom but in the sense of you have all of what you need on you at all times your extra mm-hmm. charger and yeah. luckily nowadays <laughs> things have gotten smaller and lighter so the bags are hopefully mm-hmm. not as heavy and backpacks <laughs> are, are good so but being able to have all that stuff so when you're walking into a situation things go wrong your train is late your car doesn't have gas like I showed up to a training this year and literally the car would not start in the morning and uh, I'm like what the heck do I do I'm in the middle of nowhere and I don't have a car. Maybe there's a cat and it got figured out, but I gave myself enough time. I was not stressing out so much about like, Oh my God, I have to like rush in there and teach because I had all that prepared. It was, okay, well, I'm just going to have to like call someone to come pick me up, you know, from the training, which is embarrassing, (laughs) but that might have to happen. It didn't, but the car started. It was a whole app situation, but you know, yeah. like, but having that kind of support for yourself. So not only are we teachers in a realm that we're supporting so many people walking into our room, but if we don't have that same self-support and then how healthy of you to go home and meditate and <laughs> have your rituals, because there's, I think the, the slip of doing a hustle like that. And if, um, you know, I'm kind of speaking to maybe the listeners that are young in a big city and are trying to do the dating thing or the social thing or the happy hour thing. And it can be really easy to fall into feeling like you need to do it all and not maybe necessarily taking care of your own needs in order to feel a hundred percent. So you can output that energy. You got to put it kind of back 
Black yes, and I I won't claim that I uh, was perfect at this oh, by no, any no. means. Um, Me I definitely <laughs> definitely pushed myself to the brink at times, but um, I I know I know about myself that I'm an introvert and that I need that time by myself. So even if I wasn't doing something like legitimately restorative, such as meditation or stretching or whatever it was. It was like just like zoning out with Netflix or something that would just relax my mind. (laughs) I think what saved me at a young age, I didn't live in the city until much later. I was commuting from New Jersey from my parents' house. That's right, parents' house. And so um, I was doing the Jersey commute into the city and not that again, I was not perfect. I definitely had my fair share of sunrise nights where I was like, Oh, and it's tomorrow. And <laughs> so, but being able to, my drive was always what grounded me. I never play music in the car when I drive, it drives people insane. Um, I do like if, if I'm driving with somebody, I let them choose the music because I will probably shut it off and just be in silence for hours, but um, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, having, knowing that felt like what your needs are and recognizing that and being able to set that boundary up for yourself. So if you're somebody that's teaching, I would say like from, let me ask you this, like when you first started teaching to now, what would you say your like ideal amount of hours of teaching is? Like, cause I, for myself, when I first started teaching, I was like, you know, up at six. I was teaching at six, sorry, I was teaching at six. And then I'd be coming home at like 8.30, almost 9 p.m. at night, you know, doing these split days. And I, that was not sustainable. But yeah, at, with my experience, and I was able to kind of cut down, what would you say your kind of like ideal sweet spot for teaching is, is per day? Like how many hours per day or a week? Um, that's such a good question because I feel like I'm honestly still – doing a lot of growth in that area. Mm. Um, so uh, I haven't had a ton of like really full days of teaching in my life, except if I've grabbed a lot of like subbing gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess yeah. I would like, um, I like to have like a few hours in the morning, maybe have like a little chunk of a break and then maybe like one more in the evening or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. It's I, because it, there's, you know, balance is balance. It's not stable, right? It's always ebbing and yeah. flowing. And my schedule now is, has dramatically changed becoming a mom. Crazy. But um, yeah. I've had to consciously wean myself off of work. Um, Cause I am a workaholic. I love my job. I love what I do. Um, mm-hmm. but I can't do it in the same capacity. So being able to recognize that, like, all right, like I was teaching, you know, maybe five hours in a row. Okay. Let's go down to four. What does that feel like? Hmm, that's kind of nice. All right. Yeah. Now I'm like down, you know, keep going down. And by the time this airs, no, I think this Jane will still be pregnant. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the timing. Um, you know, and then I go down to half and then I'm going to go down to basically zero for my maternity leave. And I've never not worked or taught X amount of hours a week. And that's, it's, um, I think it's something as teachers that we, I don't know, I don't want to say need or have to, but it is a common experience to 
know what that feels like. It, are you a six hour, 10 hour person then you're great and you're fine and you love it. Or is it like two hours you're good because you got kids and you got to go home or you, you have another job and this is, you know, another revenue stream for you, but you have a full time nine to five job. So, um, yeah, I think being able to pull in and pull out of that or, or try it out and see how it feels. Cause it's not going to be the same for everybody. Right. You know, right. Are you a morning person? Are you like crack of dawn teacher or are you like, I'm uh, after, like 9am. <laughs> I love a good 9am. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do teach like a 6am and a 7am and an 8am. Um, so my like Thursday, Friday, Saturday is always like, I'm always a little spent by the end of the weekend because yeah. um, depending if I'm in a show or whatever, sometimes I'm in rehearsals or performing until like late at night and waking up early is, well, yeah. it's a challenge. <laughs> um, but usually I can like sneak in a little nap. My schedule's like nice and spread out. And I think I'm pretty lucky to be in a position where I, I can let that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely yeah. not like an early morning, but I can do it when required. Yeah. As long as I know that I'm not going to be like from the crack of dawn until yeah. the middle of the night without ever getting to go home. Yeah, um, yeah. A year ago, I tried to yeah. add a, a nighttime class. And I'm I'm the early bird. I'm like, I would teach. <clears throat> I no longer teach 6 a.m. because I found that 7.30. 7, 7.30 is my sweet spot. And mm. And why, I, I don't need to get up at six. I also don't live in a neighborhood where anyone else is getting up at that time. You know, it was fine. There's yeah. not that many people that are doing that in my area. But I tried to add like a 5 p.m. class and I was like punch drunk. I was like, no, I can't. Do this. I was like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I was like, I'm, I feel like a crazy person. Like I just, I'm just saying things and I don't know what's happening. I was like, this is not okay for anybody <laughs> so I <laughs> took it off the schedule I'm like nope no one needs to see me after three o'clock <laughs> um, yeah sometimes it's hard to get that second wind ready for the evening classes oh sure you mentioned Netflix I get on my couch and I'm like hmm, what are we watching today <laughs> I love zoning out but um so your first training is Zumba you came back to Chicago after New York um and what did you move to Chicago for in 2016, three years ago? Um, right. Yeah. So I was doing the New York hustle, um, always kind of out of town, then back in town. And um, it was, it was crazy. I, I, always, I was only there, based there for like a year, maybe a little over a year. Um, and I thought, this is not really what I want to do. <laughs> um, so... I decided on Chicago and plus on one of my regional gigs, I met my boyfriend and we were like, well, he was also an actor and we we're like, what are we going to do? Like, we're not going to book all the same gigs. So what are we going to like only be together like half the year? Like, that's weird. Um, so we thought we were looking for somewhere we could go to work and live in the same city. And it was kind of between Chicago and Seattle because Okay. All my family's on the West Coast. Um, but Chicago just seemed like it had more opportunity. So so we chose Chicago. Love it. I moved for my now husband, but he was my boyfriend. I moved to L.A. for him. And I will say it. I moved for him. I did it for a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in the stage of my 
performing career that I was like, well, I can teach Pilates and bar and all of the things anywhere. So for me, and he's a writer. So it worked out. Did you guys do long distance for a while? Yeah, like right off yeah. the bat, <laughs> we're in um, different contracts in different locations. So um, that was kind of the beginning of it was, um, which actually was sort of a gift in a way because you had to talk. Mm. Like you couldn't just mm. sit on the couch together and like watch something or whatever. It was like you had to talk and get to know each other. And um, so, you yeah, know. And ask those questions. <laughs> I, pros I agree and cons. With my, yeah, my husband and I, we were um, dating, I think it was three weeks before he told me he didn't actually live in New York and <laughs> <laughs> moved a week later. So we were only together in the same city for a month before we did a year long distance. And, um, if that could teach you anything is you're right. It's talking, it's communication and, and asking the question, like asking that person to answer what, what are you looking for? What do you want? Where do you see yourself? You know, like, I don't think those questions would have happened as quickly if we were in the same place. Cause you're right. You can just get comfortable going out to eat, getting a drink and sitting next to each other and spending time. But, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, you got to kind of dig into it because otherwise you're just either sitting silent on the phone or staring at each other on your face. Time. <laughs> um, so communication and long distance and how you really have to be a key communicator and um, tying that into teaching. I kind of want to ask you some questions because these are kind of things that our listeners at home can kind of ask themselves. And we've touched upon, you know, a few of them and, you know, when you're in a relationship long distance, we'll kind of relate that to teaching as well. Like you you have to ask those questions, right? You can't just sit Mm -hmm. and let it happen because, you know, you're probably going to drift apart faster, further apart than if you were together, right? You can kind of just like be in the experience if you're living close by and let it kind of unfold. But when you're long distance, it's like, okay, what are we doing? So First question for you, and then if listeners at home, if they want to write things down or kind of think about it for themselves, I would say, what is your biggest fear about teaching? Or was there kind of a fear that um, came up when you first started teaching? Yeah, well, there's always the fear that I'm going to forget my plan and uh, not be able to think of something or not be able to remember it and just sort of freeze up in front of the class. (laughs) Um, That's definitely one of my biggest fears starting up. And nowadays I know that like, even if I forget what I'm doing, I can just pull something out of my back pocket and we'll be fine. Um, But there's that. And then I always just worry that somebody is going to get hurt, Mm. Um, which, you know, is always a risk and you always sign the liability waiver before you join a gym or um, whatever it is. Um, and there's always that risk. Yeah. And, and like, ultimately we're responsible for our own bodies as students. Um, but as an instructor, you share some of the liability for that. So you want to make sure that you're keeping people safe and watching them and doing all that stuff to make sure everyone is being safe. And, um, 
Well, and also you just never know if someone has some medical condition or maybe a medical condition they didn't even know about and there's going to be a sudden emergency. Um, so that's always my biggest fear in the back of my mind that something awful is going to happen. <laughs> Fingers crossed it won't. Yeah. But <laughs> Well, I think that's a fear. That's a fear for a lot of people. And I know coming from the Pilates world, it can be taken so preciously and you're dealing with, you know, equipment and bar. We're not dealing with um, extensive load or anything, but um, yeah. that fear of like, okay, they came in here and I have to place their body. I mean, taking it from yoga, place their body in a special way. You know, your, mm-hmm. um, vinyasa, right. Is to place mm-hmm. in a special way, rough translation. Um, but with that said, think about, you know, when you get up in the morning, all of the crazy things we do, how we put on our shoes, how we're bending over to get things. There's so many movements that are happening before somebody comes into our room, correct? And we're kind of almost like course correcting that. Like, okay, let's work your body in a very safe, lit, like not just linear, but very intentional way where we're working yeah. in certain directions and placing in a certain special way because there are so many other insane things we do throughout our day that we don't even <laughs> realize, right? So I think that's such a relatable yeah. fear is that we're like, oh my God, we're going to do something wrong. Because you know what? It could just be the cherry on top that day. You know, yes. I would say most of the time, um, speaking of Netflix, I've not gone down the route of the Bikram yoga documentary. <laughs> but, you know, the, the picture on, without kind of commenting on what happened, but like, the picture is him standing on this woman in a backbend. Like, I would say, like, yes, that is most likely going to hurt someone. Oh, my gosh. I didn't so, even see that. You know, outside of doing something out of the ordinary, most of the time, we're really setting people up for success in their movement, right? And But it is it is hard when you're commanding a space. You're looked at as the leader, Um yeah, it's uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> what would you say your ideal teaching scenario is? Like if you had the perfect teaching situation, whether it's like one class, your ideal schedule, what does that look like for you? Mm. Like the space, the teachers around you, like all of that. You can kind of take it wherever you'd like. Okay. Um, I would love schedule wise like a few classes in the morning probably five days a week so I get a nice little weekend Mm -hmm. um and then I guess that's about it like I'm really happy to work anywhere that's like you know fairly clean and has enough equipment that's in yeah that's important that's in good shape and um I'm happy to have anyone in class, of course. So I'm not too picky about like where I am. Um, I will say like bar is probably my favorite teaching modality because I do a a couple other formats here and there. Um, So definitely getting that bar. But otherwise... I always like laugh because I'm, I'm with you. I, I'll, I can, I can teach anywhere. Like put me on a small square two by four and I'm like, we're good. That's enough space. And I think that is something about New York city that infuses into anyone that comes into this 
town, right? It's that utilizing the space you have, it doesn't matter if it's shiny or brand new, you can, you can get it done. You can make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. and so I definitely credit New York city for, um, making me very adaptable when it comes to teaching in new spaces. And, you know, now that I travel to teach a little bit, I love seeing how everybody uses their space and myself yeah. in particular. Now I do have like more of an ideal. If I'm going to be teaching my regularly scheduled classes, I'm a very spoiled person and I teach in an amazing studio that has a certain atmosphere and light and I'm like, Oh yeah. I don't know if I could full time be anywhere else, but here. Like, so it's like, mm-hmm. as you kind of get to know that of like, do you like team teaching? Do you, you know, do you like to be in a place where you have team meetings because some studios don't have team meetings or are you the type of person that really thrives if you're left kind of to your own devices and inspiration and, not being so micromanaged. So it's, it's always a fun one to kind of like realize when you're in a really good situation, it's like, you know, you don't really think much about it. You're like, this is great. But if you're in a situation where you're like, Oh, I'm just kind of, there's a vibe. I'm not ha- where to, don't know how to put my finger on it. It's kind of getting into that, like really dreaming up of like, well, what is it that you really want? Like, do you want a leader? Do you want these meetings? Do you want to be given certain things or led through certain things? Or are you somebody that's an independent or do you want to show up and rent the space? Are you the event planner? You know, so it's, uh, it's yeah, a good one to think about. That's such a good point. I definitely like that independent sort of feeling as far as uh, a class structure. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting to sort of do my do my own thing and let the creativity flow same hence <laughs> bar variations <laughs> yeah <laughs> keyword variations yeah I'm like mm, <laughs> yeah I gotta do and I never thought I would be that person it just I've, every studio I ever have come in contact with or have worked at I've always had the opportunity to be myself which I think is so kind of important and as teachers of group fitness is we're the leader of that hour, whether we work for a studio or not. Um, so what would you say like your personal message behind your teaching is? Wow. Oh, sorry. I'm really <laughs> you're asking in the with big you. questions. I am. You're like the teacher the, You're like the teacher example today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I think my, personal message is move in a way that yes does challenge you but also feels good to you and in your body Mm -hmm. um i think it's really cool that fitness and wellness and health has become a lot more mainstream like we were talking about earlier but i also sometimes worry that we're all pushing ourselves to be some sort of ideal body type or to get a certain number of hours of exercise at a certain level of intensity every day or every week. And um, I'm, I'm much more a proponent of moderation, everything in moderation or balance maybe is a better word. Yeah. Um, living a balanced lifestyle. So I feel like as long as you're moving your body and doing something that feels good to you, working at a level that makes you feel your best. And for some people, maybe that is 
a high intensity class mm-hmm. a couple times a day or, you know, four days a week, five days a week, whatever. Um, but for some people, that's not going to be it. And it's going to be like a mix of things or it's going to be a, a whole week of low in, low impact, low intensity, whatever it is that makes you feel your best, I think is what we want. That's a great message. (laughs) It's a great message because it's true. We can kind of get caught up in it. Like, well, if I don't do it 110%, it's not worth doing. And that's something I've learned through my pregnancy is that that first three months for me, uh, I well, I would say like half of my first trimester, I was basically like a ball of nothing. I just couldn't do anything. Couldn't eat anything. It was horrible. And then, you know, getting this burst of energy through my second trimester has been great, but I am still not doing the same things that I was able to do and being okay with that and also do, yeah, doing what's right for me. So it's really made me realize like it changes through the seasons. It changes through the years of your life. And, um, it isn't all about 110%. It could be 30 minutes that day. It could be walking instead of taking a cab or it can be, you know, taking a loop around your neighborhood. Um, I think that's such a great message to infuse in your classes because then it's not stressful if people can't come to see you and they don't need to necessarily be with you all the time, but it's, you're giving them the, uh, values, to take with them wherever they are. Yeah. And I always like to offer a lot of options during class, which is, you know, a standard part of being a fitness professional is giving progressions, regressions. Um, and I maybe sometimes go a little bit overboard with that. Um, but I've always liked to give people the option to cater the workout to their needs, as long as they're not, you know, off in a corner doing their own thing or even worse in the center of the room doing something completely different. But, um, you know, as long as they're kind of with the group and we're all feeling the same sort of energy and vibe, like do what you need to do. Yeah. That's kind of my philosophy. (laughs) Absolutely. I I mean, you should see my ab section in my group classes that I teach weekly and they're amazing, but they all have certain things that are going on in their bodies that they cannot do certain positions. So, you know, half the group's doing this thing, half the group's doing that thing and all in between. And it's fine. It's, yeah. it's not about, right. It's not about us, even though we're at this, the front of the room, it is about them and making sure they walk away feeling something, whether that's energized, rejuvenated, strong, like they got to work out or whatever that is. Um, so tying that to our clients, you know, we definitely always want to welcome everybody in our classes, but who would you say is your ideal client? Like if you could fill your room for one hour with like these people, who would they be? Oh goodness. I know. <laughs> I'm going to make you Sophie's choice and <laughs> pick your idea. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. I'm such a dark humor. So apologies, <laughs> apologies for that reference. Anyway, uh, don't, don't attack. <laughs> um, goodness. Are you like, if the people with injury, like, you know, so some of them, I teach your friends, like they're really good with like athletes and they're like, I would love to teach only athletes. Like, and that's not going to ever happen in an open group class, but ideally, you know, like they could teach an athlete. Um, I definitely, uh, thrive in a 
45 and older crew. Um, uh-huh. I love my older ladies. I think they've definitely helped shape me as a teacher being young when I started. And I don't know there's something nice about not teaching my peers. I don't know. But sometimes people want to teach their peers. So, Yeah. I feel like I'm most comfortable in a room of peers mm-hmm. or um, I guess like my probably my biggest demographic that I see the most often are probably millennial women. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I definitely feel like at home in that group, like, come on, friends, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it's amazing how much how much people put into class and how hard they work and how fierce my students are. Uh, And that being said, I've also taught rooms full of like the crowd you were talking about, like the 40 and up. And, um, and I'm always amazed with them too. I'm like, wow, like you see maybe more modifications in that group, Mm -hmm. but, um, but they're all giving it and they're all making it happen. And it's, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I was my retired. Like when I was teaching mostly retirees, I'm like, man, I wish I was you. You come to Pilates and bar every day. You're like yeah. killing it. You're stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The okay. commitment. Yeah. Now we're going to kind of talk about the elephant in the room. You are a male bar teacher. I want to hear <laughs> that. And I want to hear, um, maybe what would you say the biggest misconceptions about yourself as a teacher are? Sure. Um, I guess I've never, I've never not been um, outnumbered as far as uh, the gender divide in a room mm-hmm. because doing theater mm-hmm. growing up was always more girls than boys. Um, so I've, I'm honestly more comfortable around women because I always have been and I have an older sister um never had a brother you know so I'm just like yeah we're all we're all on the same team here and I love that um you know it makes me kind of just by default a feminist because I've seen women who can kick my butt at anything and just know that like (laughs) it's always just been a given like yeah women are fierce um why would you think otherwise so (laughs) um so yeah I appreciate that and I don't know what what was the question (laughs) well I maybe like a no that was a perfect answer and it's your you know your experience be have you know I always say like my husband's one of five boys and I'm always kind of teasing him like you know you should have had a sister like I having (laughs) a dual gender I'm not going to go down that route, but let's for all intents and purposes today, like sure, a male female energy is so. It, if you're just in the one, so if you're like the guy's guy, that's a certain energy, and if you're like the girl's girl, that's a certain energy. But you know, I have two brothers, we shared a bathroom, I smelled like axe deodorant going to high school, like <laughs> there just is a different vibe, and I think it can one can inform the other and um, your comfortability shows through like of what, and I think that brings other people into that. So if you are comfortable with yourself and you like, you know, you're around women all the time, you know, that's for me, I'm was never around a lot of straight men. 
I went to school, you know, for mm-hmm. dance. And I was always dancing and around these gorgeous chiseled beings. And then I go out and I'm in New York and I'm like, there's these, all these bros. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't even relate. It's not that they're wrong or they're bad. It was just like, I, I don't know what that vibe is trying to impress you because I, I I've seen more beautiful people than you that can do better things than, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that are stronger than you in a different way. So it just, um, yeah, it always intrigues me, uh, not even just gender, but kind of, um, sibling roles and how that informs you as a person. Um, but have you, you know, have, do you get men in your classes? Are there anybody ever asking you kind of like weird questions like, Oh, you teach bar? Like, do you get kind of those questions or? Um, I get men in class occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times they don't stick around, mm-hmm. um, which is why I definitely um, got on your Bar for Men course. And yeah. I was like, what can I do to keep these guys in the room? So, because um, I really do think that bar is for everybody. Yeah. And depending on your your goals and what you want for your body, but like it should be open to anybody who wants it. Um, so, yeah, I get them every once in a while. Yeah. And a few of them stick around and some of them don't. And I haven't figured out the exact uh, recipe for why that happens or uh, what it is. But I would say very much with like yoga and Pilates. I mean, look at those in the very, you know, the very beginning stages. It was female dominated, even though Pilates was and yoga were invented by men. um, They were kind of taken over. And yeah, I, I can credit like I had a studio owner that I taught for that was big into, and again, we're going to kind of scratch upon that male versus female. We are different in different ways and each individual is different in different ways. But I do find that my competitive being a younger sister and an older sister, I'm going to make you plank your brains out. I'm going to make you want to cry and (laughs) do certain things that as a female, I don't necessarily want to do because I don't, I'm good. You know, like I can get the strength in all different ways. I don't need to (laughs) plank and push up all day long. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just for the, the basics, like, I mean, just making it more quote unquote, uh, not male, but like, what are they doing? You know, what are they training for? What, you know, what are they, yeah, what classes are they in? It's like usually something so straight ahead. They don't have to think. It's not yeah. a lot of choreography. It's like, here's your move. Here's your next move. Put those moves together. Here's the move, you know, and right. circuiting. And so it's interesting yeah. that we're kind of in that beginning journey, really, of inviting others in and making them comfortable, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I find um, that's definitely, in general, the truth of what I've seen as well, what you said. Um, And I feel like that's kind of something, I guess, a gift that I feel like I can give to the bar community Mm. is, like, I can get 
guys into the bar studio if they're more comfortable knowing there's going to be at least one other guy there, even if it is the instructor. Right. Um, so I feel like that's nice. And I feel like in a way that's probably afforded me more opportunities, right. um, knowing that I'm sort of a minority in the instructor crowd. Um, it's kind of for some studios, some studios see it as an asset. So I feel like that's kind of helped me in that sense. Um, but yeah. 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 No, I think that's great. And also there's many people like you who maybe have a dance or theater background and are looking for multiple revenue streams and maybe didn't think that, oh, well, I could teach this too. You know, it mm-hmm. um, because they're not, they're not just all football playing meatheads out there that are men. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like we kind of, when we, kind of do those archetypes we can quickly break them down and be like well if you're doing it then somebody else like you can be doing it too and even not right you can definitely be like a trailblazer but in general we kind of like to see like if oh if you're a guy and oh there's another guy in here okay I'm not outnumbered I feel comfortable or whatever it is and that's such a great position to be in to kind of show your path and your career and your hustle and your experience kind of form a career for yourself. So where do you see yourself taking your career? I'm going to ask the big one and then we're going to get into our games and I'll let you go and not (laughs) torture you with deep questions anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's such a good question (laughs) because I do so many things. um, So it can change. It it, it can change, you know, whatever. Um, but I feel like I just, I really want to, um, just get like a solid, like following Mm. if you, I don't know, that's a good word for it, but a solid community, I suppose is a better word around like my classes. Um, I teach at a few different studios, as you mentioned in my intro. Um, so I just like to expand more in, um, I feel like I'm in a good place now as far as where I work. Cause I work for one like local full service gym. I work for one national slash international mm-hmm. chain of gyms and I work for one boutique studio. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have a nice little balance of, um, types of spaces where I work. And, um, I think I just want to really cultivate the communities in those spaces and also create some community of my own. I think that's, yeah. kind of where I'm looking next and have some some ideas in the works that I'm still are still uh incubating yeah. about like how I can create that community um, of my own love it love it so <laughs> yeah. we'll all stay tuned um, yeah. so before I let you go this kind of ties in I kind of asked you a little bit of misconceptions but you know playing the game heard at the bar so every week you know, I post about on Instagram or social media, things that we might hear our clients say, ourselves say, or, um, other teachers say, is there something that you've heard at the bar that you'd like to, um, ring the truth bell for or debunk as a myth? Yeah. I I gave this one some thought. I did give you this one. (laughs) I'm prepared. (laughs) Um, so one thing, that when I first heard it, like really threw me off until I thought about it. But, um, one of the things 
I would get like feedback from students after class who'd be like, oh, that was a really great stretch. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> um, I don't think of bar as a, a stretching class because um, it's, it's a strengthening class. It's toning, it's right. conditioning. Um, functional strength is like the foundation of it. But I needed to sort of confront my own lens right there and realize, oh yeah, like I'm used to putting my body in these positions. But if you're not, you might feel you know, that little tugging at the muscles, working them in a more lengthened position. And you're still working the muscles, but you might feel that little stretch. Mm-hmm. And you might, it might feel like a stretch just to be working with your extremities lengthened out as far as they go, because we don't do that that much. Sure, for sure. Um, so That's such a good one. That is such a good one, because the proprioception, right, like really reaching out beyond our own little kinosphere um, isn't happening in a lot of workouts. We're really contracting, contracting, hitting, hitting, bending, bending. And, you know, bar can kind of fall into that sometimes, but if you yeah. take, take it a little bit more into the ballet realm or the more lengthening realm, you're right. It can feel like a stretch. And it is so interesting to hear what people kind of associate certain movements with, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, some, there's a camp of people that if they're not sweating and not able to sit, like if they're able to sit down at the end of the day, then it wasn't a good workout. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and then there's the flip side to that. So that that's such a yeah, that's a good one. I like that. And then finally, it's what's in your bar? Your B A R? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, always coffee number mm-hmm. one. Um, <laughs> and what else? So I'm obsessed with this smoothie. Mm. Um, by like the what is it? Real good stuff or real good juice. Ooh, I haven't heard of that one. Tell me more. Um, yeah. So there's, <laughs> they're in the lobbies of like three of our Equinox locations in Chicago. Okay. So it's always a real easy way to stop by at the end of the class and get a little smoothie. Yeah. And I really am obsessed with this one called the Cal E. Kapowski. Um, <laughs> nice little uh, Saved by the Bell reference there. Um, but it's like kale and like dates. And it's it's a tasty post-workout treat. So I love that. I guess mm. it's not my personal bar, but... Um, no, that can, that can, <laughs> it's in your bar if you're drinking it. You're good. <laughs> yeah. And if we're talking about alcohol bar, which I don't... I'm not a huge drinker. Um, but I do love a gin and tonic, mm. squeeze of lime. I feel like gin is like the... Um, the liquor of all seasons, like in summer, it's a nice refreshing little thing with, with some juice. And in the winter, it's sort of, it's tastes like a Christmas tree almost. So (laughs) right. I mean, I won't quote. It's so versatile. I don't want to get in trouble, but like the whole gin is in, it was a Tanqueray ad. Um, I'm like, yeah, that's so true. You can drink it whenever. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah. It's been a while for me. It'll still be a little while after this airs too. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, diving deep with me today. But could you tell before I let you go? Can you tell the listeners where to find and follow you so we can build that community bigger for you? Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. So I am. Dan Hurst 331 
on Instagram. Um, that's D-A-N-H-U-R-S-T-331. That's probably the best place to find me. Um, but also, if you want some playlists, I'm that same handle on Spotify. Um, so if you want to snag some music. Um, I'm pretty into my playlist, so maybe you'll like them too. <laughs> yes, I'm going to check them out. I know you in the past have shared some songs with me. I think we have a similar um, taste in music. So, yeah, you guys should yeah. definitely check that out. We'll- and you need a Britney in every class. Just Yes, I know. It's required. <laughs> oh, she's leaving Vegas, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, thank you again, and I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes for everyone so they can find you and follow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.